0: Good morning, church family. I have good news, I have better news, and I have the best news. Where should I start this morning? Let's just start with the good news, yeah? Uh, Good news is we're going to have a chance to gather with the whole family these next two weeks, the whole church body. Uh, There are, in life there are intentional things that happen, so things you do something and you're intentional about it happening, and then there are some unintentional results that you have. Uh, I'm very glad that everyone that's here that uh, attends Common Ground is here with us. and Many of you have come since we've started this worship service. Uh, but an unintentional consequence is I fear many of you may not know the people on the other side of the building. And so over these next couple of weeks here, we have a chance to be with them and worship. Uh, Becky and I will not be with you next week. We're going to go in and visit with her family. And uh, we're all going to go in with a, a heart and attitude to serve and help them. Uh, this will be the first time we'll be able to be with her family since... Our mother's been so sick, so we appreciate your prayers while we travel, and uh, so you'll have an opportunity to be here with the family there, and then Easter, we'll be back. I'll be back on Good Friday, and uh, Easter is like my favorite holiday, so, you know, we'll, I'll be here for Resurrection Sunday. Broke my heart last year that I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, second thing that is even better news is that uh, we have a new church app. Constance's been working hard. If you haven't downloaded that, let me encourage you to get that. How many of you have downloaded the church app? Got the video this week, a couple of you, a few, good. Uh, It's really neat, isn't it? If you've got instant access to worship services, you have the weekly update on there that goes out every Thursday. There's content that's created and sent out from the church. You've got a chance to give on there. One of the coolest features that I like is that app, there's a Bible uh, software that's built into that church app. It will read the Bible to you, right? So if you want to you know, relax one night, the guy's voice is very soothing that reads it. I don't know if you can change it out, but it's a very soothing voice. So you can go to your app store, type in Elizabeth and Grace Baptist, and you'll be able to pull that up and download that app. So if you're not a social media person, you're fasting, abstaining, or for personal reasons you don't do that, that's an especially helpful tool for you if you're not using that uh, platform. And then the last, the best piece of news is that Christ remains at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for all of us, right? So that's always the best news. Okay, with that in mind, let's grab our Bibles here. I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5 this morning. Luke chapter 5, we've been moving through and working through the book of Luke, and I'm going to say something here this morning, and I know you've already figured this out by looking at your bulletin. Uh, There's a lot of verses here, and you're right. There are a lot of verses here, but let me say a few things. First of all, you can move through narrative passages quicker than you can, like Pauline epistles and things like that from a pulpit perspective. Because much of what's in that passage is already understood. It's very easy to understand. Uh, the second, so you're not moving, cutting through thick theology like in Romans. The second thing is, uh, I have loved being in Luke's, in the study of Luke. I, I, I think it's worth our time to go through it. I'm trying to make what could be two years in the pulpit, or excuse me, three years in the pulpit, trying to cut it back down to maybe two years in the pulpit. We may take a, we may take a break in the summer, I haven't decided, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Luke is probably the longest book in the New Testament. It has been well worth our time to look at this book together, okay? Well worth our time. And it's worth our time to take this time as a church and look at it together. So I'm, I'm trying to move it through at a pace. Just be glad you're not going to one of the uh, Puritan's churches. I read about one Puritan pastor who spent, I think, 29 years in the book of Job. <laughs> yeah, 29 years. So, you know, just be grateful. Two years in Luke don't sound too bad now, does it, right? Two years in Luke sounds pretty good, all right? Okay, so here we go. Uh, here Hear the word of God here. We, we've seen Jesus kind of preparing us for this. He has been uh, talking with Peter. Peter has been, his mother-in-law has been healed. Jesus has demonstrated who he is here. And then Luke is going to draw our attention here. We're going to meet at least three important characters, really four total, that Jesus is going to interact with here. There's going to be things we emulate, so that's things that we copy and do the same. And there's going to be things that we avoid. And there is going to be a large danger in this text, particularly for people who have been in church a long time. So if you were raised in church, you need to pay attention to this text this morning, okay? This text, there's a danger here in this text that you need to be made aware of as we work through this text together, okay? All right, let's, and and I'm going to lump myself in there with you guys. I started... My mom, I don't know why I'm missing parts of my memory from when I was younger, but mom took me to church uh, when I was a kid. Apparently, there was a lady that I know real well. She would kiss my face every day at Sunday school and, and spit me back out there to go home and have that lipstick popped off. So I'm, I'm in that boat with you for going to church from a young age forward. All right, here we go. Luke 5, 12 through 32. All right, here we go. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And And he charged him to tell no one but go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for a cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate places and pray. On one of these days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he said, when he saw their faith, he said, "May your man, your sins are forgiven you. And the the scribes, the Pharisees, began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Then Jesus perceived their thoughts and he answered them. Why do you question your your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But the man but that man may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. And after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. May God add blessing to the reading of His holy, inerrant, and infallible Word. I pray He will write His truth on all of our hearts today. Leprosy. How many of you in here have ever seen someone with leprosy? Richard? Anyone seen someone with leprosy? I have personally seen anybody. I'm gonna tell you. Thanks for asking. You asked what's leprosy does. I heard on the left side. Leprosy is a bacterial disease that is a very old disease. There is instruction. It would have been nice if I could have preached this sermon last week because if you're keeping track with us in our daily Bible readings, we read Leviticus 13 and 14 last last week. You're marking it off in the newsletter with us as we're reading through. And if you'll recall from your daily Bible readings, Leviticus 13 and 14 are instructions for the priest of the day on what to do when someone has sores on their body. They begin to display that they are having maybe leprosy, a possibility of leprosy. And the priest is told to put him in a dark room for three days and check the color of the hair that's in the sore. All these different things. Now, <clears throat> a couple things I'm going to say about that. In the United States leprosy is not common. So most of us have probably never seen it before. It is still common in India and actually in South America it's a problem. Particularly in Brazil. Brazil has colonies of lepers that live together. Uh, and so in the Old Testament If you were found to have leprosy, if the priest found you had leprosy, this is one of those things, I was thinking in my mind as I was preparing this week, I'm sure glad I'm a Baptist pastor and not a Levitical priest because who wants to sit and stare and look at all those sores? You know what I mean? of Everybody in the whole nation there and decide whether or not they get to stay in the camp with the healthy people or not. Leprosy eventually, when it gets really bad, people's fingers have been known to fall off. Uh, Sinus cavities can be exposed. They can have extra flesh that grows in various places. It has different effects on different people, but often marked by rashes, sores, irritations. And one of the instructions that we see from Leviticus is there were instructions on what you were to do if you had leprosy. You were to move outside the tent outside the camp. And moving outside the camp, you had to do several things. You had to tear your clothes. You couldn't just wear a normal you know, uh, they didn't have shirts back then. I watched this really funny thing this week about J.C. Penny $10 shirts. And I don't know. I just thought, gosh, has that been that long? But they couldn't wear their JCPenney shirts. They had to be torn, right? They had to show that something was disordered from the eye far away. That was the reason why their clothes had to be torn. They also had, when they went into an area where there were people who did not have leprosy, they had to announce unclean unclean so that people could back away the instruction to the camp and to the israelites was you are restricted from touching them they are considered unclean Uh, there were also a lot and if a priest did perhaps touch a leper they were instructed to go through some very strict regimented cleansing purification rituals you can read about those in leviticus it took a long time so you know the priest a, a priest's bad day would be if you accidentally touch a leopard you've got to go through all this process of being cleansed from all this okay all right so these are people that really if you're an ancient jew at jesus's day you don't want to touch them but you shouldn't touch them you know there's a bunch of other laws right if you You know, uh, during a woman's menstruation, she was considered unclean. If you touched her, you were considered unclean as a priest. A woman gave birth, 40 days, unclean. Same thing for the priest. All these rules that were there, right? About touch and different medical things, but particularly honing in today on this issue of leprosy. Now, how is leprosy contracted? What do we know about it? Well, we can treat it now. We have more medicines to treat it, but there's still a bit of a mystery on how leprosy is transferred from one person to another. Did you know that? If you read on the CDC's website you try to figure out about this leprosy thing what it will tell you is if you have one touch from a person with leprosy that you there's no evidence to say that one casual contact with a person with leprosy would give you leprosy it appears prolonged exposure to someone who has leprosy is how you contract it so they they think their best theory is that any time a person with leprosy coughs or sneezes and those droplets are inhaled by a healthy person, that's how they think it probably transfers. But they still don't know 100% for sure. And that company kind of <laughs> but but anyway. So I, I don't want you to just hear this or read this passage and just see this and and just let this kind of wash over you quickly. You know. As Jesus is preaching and teaching here in synagogues and in crowded areas and words getting round about him, here a leper comes to him. I guess he has heard about Jesus rebuking fever, and he must think, this is my shot to have healing, right? And so one of the things that sticks out to me immediately in this text is the fact that Jesus touches the leper. There's something we see in the Bible. Leprosy, many times, is equated with sin, almost like a corporeal image of sin. Corporeal is a big fancy word that just means to put flesh on. So it's a flesh and blood example of how sin can be transferred. You may be scratching your head and saying, Pastor, I don't see how sin is transferred. Let me give you a few illustrations of what I mean. Unholiness is transferable. Could you imagine what Eve thought in her mind when her first two sons, Cain and Abel, she thought back to her sin in the garden and to the fruit that she ate or Adam as they thought about that. I guarantee you that sin begets sin and it spreads. There was a church I knew of in Indiana when I pastored up there. An affair started between the music leader and the piano player. They had different spouses. They were not married. And nothing was done in the church about it calling out of that sin there was no repentance there was no pointing out that this needs to stop and guess what happened adultery began to run rampant in that church it spread throughout the body and at that one point i think half the deacons in that church were in some sort of adulterous affair that was known publicly in the church and outside the church but what that does to the name of christ right when people hear that so there is something transferable in sin. Sin is transferable. Sin begets sin, right? What is not transferable is holiness. Purity. There's work that must be done. You get something there. You can't just touch. and get holiness. Right? It's a different thing. And so the fact that Jesus here touches the leper, right? It's amazing that he would do that. Can you imagine the reaction of the people around them? Here somebody is Torn clothes, missing couple of fingers. Who knows how long it's been since they have felt human contact? You know, studies have shown you need human touch. Did you know that? Human touch is important for your uh, for your immune system. Even I've read articles about it being important for the immune system. COVID's kind of made that weird, hadn't it? Right? Saw a video one, what was something weird we did before COVID. I was thinking, hug everybody, right? Told Larry, I said, "Man, this COVID environment's perfect for you, isn't it? It's like everybody needs to live like you've been living your whole life. Don't touch me, right?" Well, it's kind of like you know, if you have an allergy, you crave that thing dearly, right? You can't. You've been labeled as unclean. Don't touch them. Can you imagine? Just, just to be, you know, there's something humane here. There's a compassionate humanity. about this in my study this week as I was preparing for this maybe it was last week that leprosy does not transfer back to Jesus right he's able to touch this leper you can touch him diseased and riddled and everybody's afraid to touch him and Christ is not affected physically right? no there's it is an image there of Christ and it's an image of sin and forgiveness Another thing we see here is in verse 20, we see these friends lowering down their friend so that Christ would touch them, right? No doubt many of us, particularly if you've been in church a long time, you've heard this story. As, you know, word gets around, he's, he's healed this woman, he's healed this leper. People are wanting to see this. They want to get in on the action. This is kind of, this is kind of like human uh, this is human curiosity. Right. Well, what does he do in this passage? In verse twenty, I want you to see this closely, and this is a critical passage for the whole thing. Seeing their faith, this the span being lowered down. Right, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Now, that may seem odd because he hasn't right and healed him at this point. So Jesus is leading with this. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he heal him then forgive him? Why forgive him then heal him? I want you to think about this for just a minute. Uh, I'm gonna pick on Todd this morning here. Todd's had he has a struggle sometimes with his back. His back hurts. I'll back and chair that. That's okay, you pray for him. This morning. Well if I said, Todd, you get on down here this morning, I'm gonna heal you, brother. Your back's never gonna hurt. Right? Todd'll come down here and I'll heal him. And Todd does black back flips in front of everybody. Wouldn't that be great? You charge admission to see that, right? Man, you know, not, and then you all leave here Monday morning, you go to work. You're not going to believe what Pastor T. did at church on Sunday. He healed this guy. He had back problems. Got him in the military years ago. Guy came down. He healed him. Did back flips in the front of the church. I mean, Grace Baptist Church at that common ground service, they've gone Pentecostal. Completely full-blown Pentecostal. Guys, healing people. You've got to come down and see it, right? It's easy to get excited about that. But that's not the real miracle in this text. See this because of Jesus' reaction. Right? <clears throat> Jesus says here, you can hear these thoughts of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and of course, Pharisees are half right when they react to Jesus saying this, you're forgiven. What do they say? Who is this that can forgive people? Only God can forgive people. They're right. Only God can forgive people of their sins. The part they got wrong was the blasphemy part. Jesus is not committing blasphemy because is God in human world. They don't see that. So as he's preaching and he's teaching here, the real miracle is that he's able to forgive sins. You know, and if I was able to heal Todd's back, here's the thing. Todd still has an expiration date. At some point, his legs may fail him. At some point, this leper that was healed will die. At some point, this paralytic that was healed is going to go back to a mat and breathe his final breath, and it's going to be over. See, physical healings in Jesus' ministry are temporary, but forgiveness of sin is eternal. So the real miracle here is that Christ is able to forgive sins. Do you see that, though, right? We get so excited for the things that are right in front of us and the temporary things that we see, and we we don't realize that there is a forgiveness here with authority. Jesus has the authority to forgive then the third thing that we see in this moving on down to verse 27 talking about this guy named Levi this tax collector let me see if I can paint a good picture for you of how these people were viewed in the culture they were hated tax collectors were hated they were contracted by the Roman government to collect taxes for Rome and the contract went something like this here's how much we need each individual person, whatever that percentage was of their income. Whatever you can get after that, you can keep for yourself. Right? And I was actually trying to think what in modern society is the equivalent of a tax collector of Rome, a vulture like this? At first, and in the first service, I actually use this as an illustration, but I think I came up with a better one during Sunday school. So you can see how well I was paying attention. The first one I gave was if the IRS man knocked on your door and said, Hey, I need to go through audit you see what all you've got look at all your records we think you owe us seven thousand dollars more but i actually thought that's not really a good illustration as what we have now and that is uh, these companies that buy and sell debts you know i'm talking about these collection agencies they'll buy a hundred dollar debt or a ten thousand dollar debt for a penny on the dollar right and then what they'll try to do is convince you that you owe them this astronomical compounding interest. And then they will get not just what you owe back, but more on top, more on top, more on top, more on top. They're gonna try to take you to the cleaners. It's really the term that we we use for it in banking is uh, predatory lending, right? They're they're kind of like the, I mean, you know, who wants to hang out with somebody that really it's an exploitation on the poor, isn't it? Those that are having hard times. And it it keeps them in that system. I I oftentimes get worried because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed when you drive up and down broad, these places that say open 24 hours cash loans, those people are not your friends, right? (laughs) Uh, They are not your friends. And they are after every penny they can get from you and and then some, right? Uh, So be careful, right? Well, that's the way this whole culture viewed them. These guys are vultures. They're, They're predators. They... They feast on on every penny they can get. They squeeze us for everything they can get out of us. We don't want to eat with them. We don't want to hang out with them, right? So here's what we're seeing. I want you to pay attention to this and see this in the text this morning. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the people that people thought were the religious elites, the people who were supposed to lead us and know exactly what to do uh, in, in things relating to God and how to relate to others. There's two groups of people in this narrative today. One group of people they cannot touch because the law forbids it. That's the lepers, right? They can't touch them. One group, the paralyzed man, they can't do anything with them, right? And then yet another group, they won't touch them and be near them because they can't stand them and that's the tax collectors, right? So here in this story, there are three groups of people that are all the marginalized of the culture and who the religious elite don't want anything to do with. None of them, right? And when Jesus engages each one of them, they're critical. Do you see that? And here comes the danger. What's the danger, Pastor? This is the danger. For those of you who have been near the things of God for a long time, which is probably the majority of us in here this morning, those of you who have been under preaching and teaching, good preaching and teaching for years, you may be confronted with truth, but never change, right? That's what's happening to these Pharisees, isn't it? They're confronted with the truth of who God is, but they never change, do they? They just criticize. Well, I'm a good person. I have gone to the temple since I was five years old. I put 20 pence in the bucket every time I walk in the door because they didn't pass the plates. They had buckets like we do here at good person are you are you really right here jesus is confronting self-righteousness and not only is he doing that he is defining the mission and what is the mission here that jesus gave us right they can't they can't believe they can't believe that jesus would touch a leper and they and it's almost like they're more blown away because he should be unclean. He should go through the ceremony uh, to get cleansed and all these different things. They, they, even What's even crazier to them is that he would eat dinner with a tax collector. And by the way, that guy Levi, who Jesus calls, goes on to write a book called Matthew. Maybe you've heard of it. It's in the first part of your New Testament, right? How could he sit and eat with people like that? Their prayers and their thoughts are self-righteous. Now, when he says in this passage, only the sick need a doctor. Is he saying this, the Pharisees and Sadducees aren't sick? No. No, they don't think they're sick. They don't think they're sin's sick. So the gospel doesn't take with them. You see that? Of course they need Christ. This is the thing they're blind to. This is the thing they won't change from. They won't change because they continue to trust in their own goodness and rightness. do you view yourself? Do you need a doctor for your sin this morning? Do you need true healing for eternity? Or will you settle for a momentary, temporary relief and pleasure? Here's our reaction. If we're going to trust Christ, here's what we must do. We must admit we need Christ. Stop trusting ourselves. We must accept his forgiveness, just like he gave this man here in this passage in verse 20. We must follow him. Look at verse 28. Now look, you know, Levi, later Matthew, was not just any man. He was a man of means, right? He throws this lavish dinner and he invites all his buddies over. He had a lot of money. And what's the Bible tell us here? When he met Christ and we heard that sovereign call of the Lord, he leaves it behind, right? Let me ask you something. What do you own that is worth eternity in one possession you have that is worth eternity in hell. What will you trade eternity and hell to keep in your grasp? Right? For Matthew, it's none of these things for Levi. You gotta deny your own goodness. Stop trying to trust in how good you are and giving yourself pats on the back. Stop saying, we're way better than these boozers and losers down here in this section of town or hanging out at this place. Stop talking like that. Right? Stop it say yes to Christ today that's the call of this passage if I had to boil this down here here's what I would say the concluding thought Jesus did everything so that I all I have to do is repent and trust him that's it he did the rest the question is have we done that Lord, thank you for this passage today. Thank you for this narrative. Thank you for these groups we meet in this passage. God, we pray this morning that you would touch our hearts, our minds, our souls, that you would cleanse us, God. Lord, as we move through this time of response, may we be moved to deny ourselves, deny our own goodness and truly see the need that you pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Heard the gospel this morning. Your only hope and need is Christ. He provides for us what we could never provide ourselves. I'm going to sit down right here in the front this morning because we're going to have the Lord's Supper in just a minute. If you'd like to know Christ, you want me to pray with you, you come on down here. I'd be happy to do that as we sing a song of response. Please stand.